0: The new year is the perfect time to start building credit scores. Because when your credit scores increase, your opportunities do too. Like loan approvals and lower interest rates. Chime makes it easier to keep building your credit with a secured Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. You can use Credit Builder everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. Chime helps you build your credit scores safely by using your own money to make everyday purchases and on-time payments. To apply, just open a Chime checking account with a $200 qualifying direct deposit. And don't stress, there's no annual fee or credit check required to apply and get started. Start building your credit history and finding new opportunities with the secured Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary. The whiskey man. Stress. And it's
1: show She knows about whiskey and stuff. Hi, this is Debbie you Showcare know. on Believe in the Whiskey Mistress on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe... Weeks ago, we talked about pot stills, the basics of how they work, and why most of them are made from copper. But there is another kind of still that is widely used. It's called the continuous or column still, and occasionally known as the coffee or patent still. It's used by virtually all large U.S. distillers, a number of smaller ones, as well as numerous distillers around the world. It lends itself more readily to modern American controls, and it can be regulated to deliver new whiskey at nearly any proof desired. Proof, you may remember, is a measure of the alcohol content in an alcohol beverage. And when we're talking about proof in regards to a still we're talk we're not talking about the proof at which you purchase it in the bottle we're talking about the proof at which it actually comes out of the still and the continuous still it looks like a tall cylinder usually rises two or three stories of the distillery the inside of the still, it's fitted it's fitted with these uh, numerous baffle plates. They look like perforated shelves. And distilling, remember, distilling is based on the fact that nearly every liquid, if heated, will boil at slightly different temperatures. That's how we get the good stuff out of the fermented mash. Distilling. So... In the column still, distilling is accomplished by pumping the preheated, fermented liquid mash to the top of the still and letting it splash down through those baffle plates. At the same time, steam enters at the bottom of the still and rises through the baffle plates, and in constant contact with the mash, the steam distills and redistills the liquids as it rises and finally passes on through the top of the still. Where it's cooled and condensed as new whiskey the spent liquids they drop to the bottom and are drawn off okay 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 so now picture it if you can when i lecture about this when i talk about this in person i'm usually making these grand gestures to explain it so just use your imagination here the mash it's working its way down through the perforated shelves the baffle plates and at the same time that steam is rising up through them distilling the liquids up and out well by the time the spent mash makes it to the bottom they've already got more being pumped in from the top they are continuously distilling hence the name air quotes continuous still also known as a column still because of the way it looks and because they are continuously distilling, it's a much more cost-effective way to produce any distilled beverage when you compare it to the pot still, which distills in batches and is far more time-consuming and laborious. The continuous still, it was a huge revolution when it was invented, first in 1826, by a Mr. Robert Stein, who was a distiller in Clackmanenshire. It's a, it's a small historic County and Council in Scotland, and Mr. Stein's design was first used at the Cameron Bridge Grain Distillery, which is considered to be the oldest distillery in Scotland, but I digress. There's a whole history about the Cameron Bridge Distillery I'd love to get into, but that's a story for another time. So, now Mr. Stein's design for this revolutionary still was improved upon and then patented by a Mr. Aeneas Coffey, an Irishman, in 1831. Now, his name spelled C-O-F-F-E-Y, coffee. It may sound familiar, especially if you're a fan of Japanese whiskey. Uh-huh, that's right. Nikka Coffee Grain Whiskey. It has nothing whatsoever to do with the coffee, the kind you drink in the morning. The word coffee on Nikka's label that refers to the use of one of their continuous coffee stills. Uh-huh. OK, now, the story of Mr. Aeneas Coffey is fascinating. Mr. Coffey was born, it's commonly thought, in Dublin in 1780. And his dad was an engineer for the city of Dublin's waterworks. And Aeneas got his education at Trinity College in Dublin. He went on to a very successful vocation in the customs and excise field. Yeah, he was a tax man whose colorful career saw him come to an intimate knowledge of distilling. And he was was amazingly creative, developing new, ingenious methods of preventing distillers from defrauding the excise service, including the spirit safe, which he developed with his brother-in-law who also happened to be an excise officer. The spirit safe was readily adopted by the excise, the taxation office. In A.S. Coffee, he also wrote this new method of, of recording a distiller's operation right from the beginning, from the entry of the fermented mash to the still house, right the way through to removal of the finished spirit from the receiver. He proposed ever more efficient and less costly methods of keeping any sort of fraud and underreporting from distillers. And he, he, he even created a set of interconnected valves that prevented a receiver vat from being filled at the same time it was being emptied. You see, just picture it. If they, could, if they could empty it while it was at the same time being filled, keeping it all the while at a constant level, the distiller could, with a nod and a wink, lie about just how much distilled spirit he'd produced. Yes, indeed. Aeneas Coffee was a staunch defender of the law, but he was also keenly aware of its drawbacks and inefficient failings, and so he promoted solutions to the, the arduous regulations that had been frustrating legal distillers of spirit. Now, only some of his solutions were accepted and put into practice. But coffee strongly believed that if the government made it easier and more feasible to distill legally, then illegal distillers would likely just fade away. And that would mean more taxes flowing into the excise office. Remember alcohol and tax laws always go hand in hand. And so, Coffee promoted and facilitated the 1823 Excise Act, which did actually make it easier to distill legally. And that in itself, well, that also is quite a story. Maybe I'll do a segment on that one day. But suffice it to say, Aeneas Coffee was a clever and successful taxman. And hey, everybody loves the taxman, right? I believe in the South here in America, they are called the revenue. no seriously, revenuers, excise officers, the tax man. They are not loved. Kind of sort of the opposite. In fact, during his years as an excise officer... Coffee ran afoul of illegal distillers and barely survived a particularly brutal attack in November 1810. He was bayoneted and left for dead. Here's an account, an actual account by Aeneas Coffee of the attack, and I'm going to quote: "I was attacked by about 50 men,, five zero, 50 men. They fractured my skull, left my whole body one mass of contusion, and gave me two bayonet wounds, one of which completely perforated my thigh. And to this day, I feel bad effects from them, which I never expect entirely to get rid of. Yeah, he said that in 1816, about about six years after the attack. Well, Aeneas Coffee. He was really good at what he did. And when he retired in 1824, he had achieved the position of surveying general examiner. What had happened during that successful career was that he had acquired an amazing understanding of the intricacies of the business of distilling. And so he went into the business for himself. Yep. There was a period of time when Aeneas Coffee actually ran a distillery too. In fact, the Daughter Bank Distillery and Dock Distillery, both in Dublin. Now, I have heard his move from taxman to distiller referred to as something akin to a gameskeeper turned poacher, and I'm really not sure that I agree with that. I, I think he was—I think he was smart, and that he knew where to apply those smarts. You see, I would personally never refer to any distiller as a poacher, nor to an excise man as a gamekeeper. I would liken it more to something like a, a referee turned point guard. And yes, that particular reference is meant to make me sound like I know something about sports. <laughs> but yet again, I digress. You see, from the end of the 18th century, the 1700s, right the way through to Aeneas Coffee's time, there were steadfast developments in the science and engineering of distilling. And while the forays into patents of the continuous type stills first surfaced around 1808, it really wasn't until Robert Stein registered his first patent in 1827 that the real strides were made. Stein's design was approved by the Excise Office, and they, they authorized trials, which were successfully initiated in 1829. Well, it seems that Aeneas Coffey was present at a demonstration of Stein's still. And using his own intimate knowledge of distilling, of, of distillery engineering, he took the best parts of Stein's design and made some decidedly brilliant, efficient Alterations, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah details. I will spare you the technicalities, but coffee made three major changes over Stein's, the, the column still as Stein designed it. Well, his really wasn't efficient, and Stein's design required frequent cleaning, meaning frequent stops in the distilling process. It, it may not have been perfect, but it was the perfect starting point for Aeneas coffee. His modifications, Coffey's modifications, made the still far more efficient and it allowed the production of a higher proof, lighter spirit. Within five years of patenting his new still, Anais Coffee was receiving sufficient orders that he founded Anais Coffee & Sons in London. Just a few years after establishing the business, he closed his distilleries and let, spent, he spent the rest of his business years focused on making and installing his patented coffee stills in distilleries across the globe. Well, yes, as a matter of fact, his company is still around, sort of. The company still exists, though it's now known as John Dor and Company Dor D O R E. John Dor and Company Limited. You see, Aeneas Coffey Jr., Coffey's son, well he he sold his interest to John Dor and Company after his father passed away in eighteen fifty two. And you know, we, we really don't know very much about Aeneas Coffee's later years. His son. Aeneas Jr., well, he went to South Africa and managed a distillery there. And after his wife died, unfortunately died childless, um, he returned to England and he lived the rest of his life near London. It's, it's really hard to overstate the contribution Anais Coffee made to distilling. And yes, yes, I, I do. I know a pot still makes a more flavorful whiskey. But remember, there are distillers who also make spirits other than whiskey. I know, shocking, but it's true. And for those who need to produce a grain neutral spirit, distilling the ability to distill at a high proof is desired. And there are a lot of whiskey distillers who use a coffee or continuous still for a number of reasons. Look, it's so much more cost effective and time effective. You can regulate it much more easily. Look, it, it makes a really good spirits really good whiskey. It made it easier for folks to do so legally, which has meant untold amounts in revenue to our collective communities in the way of taxes. Anais Coffey's invention, okay, even if you only attribute to him the refinements of the invention, but it was his fine-tuning of a very good idea that made it a great idea. And that great idea has been used in distilling all over the world by large companies, small ones, and every size in between. The continuous still, the coffee still. Hmm, and now you know. <laughs> Yes, May 29th has come and gone, and I had an amazing time Friday night with I don't know six or seven people. It, it was it, it was a it was a virtual whiskey tasting party with Tony and Al and Mike and another Mike and Kevin and In and I'm probably leaving somebody out. So I'm so sorry. I hope you're all listening. Um, it was just wonderful. We tasted seven different whiskeys, and I think over time I'm going to share each one of those whiskeys with you here. Um, it was a lot of fun. We were together for about two hours on Google Meet. We had a great time. We laughed, we drank, we learned, and I hope that uh, some of you may be interested in doing so with your nearest and dearest. If you're interested in hosting your own whiskey tasting adventure with the Whiskey Mistress leading you, please make sure you contact me at Mistress at gmail.com. That's believe, B-L-E-A-V, in the whiskey with an E, mistress at gmail.com. But something else that came up uh, while I was talking with these fine folks Friday night, one of the fellows there, um, I want to say it was one of the mics, but I don't remember, so forgive me if I don't remember. He asked me, apparently he'd been looking at me on the internet, finding, finding things that I'd been doing, and he saw an interview with me where I was talking about the very specific methods of tasting, and he was asking me some questions about it. And so, of course, I taught them the whiskey Mistress's seven specific, very special steps tasting whiskey and each one of them said wow this this is so different this has changed my whole way of experiencing whiskey and so when i heard that again i wanted to make sure that i didn't delay anymore and that i share with all of you how to properly taste and enjoy and appreciate your whiskey so here we go pen and paper yeah don't bother taking notes i'm not going to test you on it um So there are seven steps. The first thing, yeah, you can look at it if you want. I'm sure it's very pretty. It's not wine. (laughs) The second thing is you are going to nose it like you would a wine. Stick your nose down in there, the glass, and get a big whiff. Yep, that's right. That first time you nose it, it's like your nose is getting drunk. You're getting nothing but alcohol. So I want you to nose it a second and third time, but this time with your mouth open. And you see that way more of your sensory nerves are getting stimulated. You're going to find that it's a completely different experience. You're actually able to pick up some nuances of aroma. Let's see. One, two, three, the fourth step, we're going to add a little water. And by a little bit, I mean like a half a teaspoon of water. You see, whiskies have these glycol components to them. There's a big, long chemical name, but they're glycol components. And they sit on top of a whiskey like an oily film sits on top of water. And they, they mask some of those aromas that whiskey lovers enjoy. And when you add that little tiny bit of water, it breaks through the surface tension of those glycols and releases those aromas. So then when you go to nose it again, step five, it is another, it's another completely different experience because what you've done is you've released some of those more subtle aromas. And what you'll find is when you nose it after adding that half teaspoon of water, some of the more subtle fragrances are going to work their way right to the front, or you're going to notice aromas that you could barely detect before. So let's see. I think that puts us to number five. Step number six. Guess what? We're actually going to taste it. And let me tell you, though, you want to take a sip and hold it in your mouth for four or five seconds. That's really important. What you find is a lot of people, when they're drinking whiskey, they shoot it. They gulp it because they expect it to burn. And they're trying to get past the burn by, by shooting it. And what they don't realize is it's the gulping that causes the burn. If you hold it in your mouth four or five seconds, you're actually going to get what's known as a mouth feel. It's going to tingle a very specific place in your mouth. And it's very interesting. Every whiskey has a slightly different mouth feel. Um, but if you hold it in your mouth four or five seconds before you swallow it, then when you finally do swallow it, you're going to have next to zero burn. Most of the time it'll be zero burn, but you'll have at least next to zero burn and you'll get to enjoy all the flavor and the full finish. And finish is just a fancy word for aftertaste because if you say aftertaste, it sounds like something was gross. So those are my seven steps. You can look at it if you want, but then you nose it, nose it two more times with your mouth open, Add a half a teaspoon of water to break through the surface tension of those glycols before nosing it yet again. Take a sip and hold it in your mouth. By the way, don't swish it. That ruins the experience. Just hold it in your mouth and then swallow it and enjoy all those sensory experiences. You'll find that some whiskeys have a very short finish some whiskeys have a finish that you're still enjoying 10 minutes later and some whiskeys have this amazing interesting cascade of flavors in the finish that it, where it just it just evolves into different different um, a different sensory experience every every few seconds so please please try tasting your whiskey using those seven steps and I want to hear about it I want to know if that changes whiskey for you if it does Let me know. Send me a line on BelieveInTheWhiskeyMistress at gmail.com. Hey, if it doesn't, I want to know. Send me a message. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, if you want to correct me on something, because I never mind that. And uh, I'd love to hear from you. If there's anything you'd like me to talk about here on Believe in the Whiskey Mistress, just send me a line. I hope you're having a wonderful, wonderful, safe, enjoyable, delightful day. I wish all of you and yours safe and well. God bless. Thanks for listening. Join me next week on Believe in the Whiskey Mistress, right here on the Believe Podcast Network. The whiskey